Hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast talking about women in history known and not so well known for the murders that they've committed. Feminism. Women can be murderers too. This is the gender equality that we've all been aiming for. Okay, that's probably going to get deleted, (laughs) but I thought it was funny. Anyway, my name is Gabrielle, your host, and I'm so interested in true crime, I wanted to start a podcast about it. This is the second episode, and I wanted to start by thanking the people, especially those in the Murderino group, who supported by subscribing and downloading the first episode. You all rock, and I'd especially like to thank John and Emily for their book recommendations. Both of these books sound super interesting, so if books are your thing, then check them out. John recommended Victorian Murderesses by Mary S. Hartman, and Emily recommended The Poisons of Agatha Christie. They definitely sound like uh, great books to check out. I've also gotten a couple of recommendations for who the next episode should be about, and I thought it'd be fun to get some feedback from you to see which ones you want to hear. Grace O'Malley, who's another amazing badass female pirate, and this was recommended by Willie. The other one was also recommended by the Emily, the same Emily who gave us the amazing A's for Arsenic book. Um, and this is Irma Grease, the Hyena of Auschwitz. Either get a hold of me at Frumius Reads on Twitter or basically any other social media, or comment below wherever this is posted if there's a comment option available with your preferred murderess for the next episode. Okay, so enough of the nonsense already, let's get to the good stuff. The murderess of the week is Locosta of Gaul. So fun fact, I actually found her by searching to see who historians believe is the first female serial killer. And Locosta of Gaul is actually thought to be the first recorded serial killer in human history. According to Google, it is pronounced Locusta. So I'm going to be saying it, Lacusta. Lacusta's early life isn't so well known, but it's thought that she was born in the first century AD in a tiny town in outer Rome called Gaul, which is actually in modern day France. So during her early years, she learned about the plants around her and eventually became a well-known herbalist. Back then, especially in small villages, herb knowledge was really common. Oftentimes, doctors were expensive, so these towns relied on an herbalist to brew potions that would help with whatever sickness that they had. And obviously, to be an herbalist, you should probably know which plants are good and which plants are bad. So let's back up a little here. Rome, as you can imagine, was a pretty rough place. Even during the glory years, there was plenty of drama going down between politicians of all levels. And a common practice back then was, if someone was politically, romantically, or otherwise in your way, you looked up Lacosta to help deal with them. So Lacosta of Gaul had a really fun nickname, Lacosta the Poisoner. She took her calling really seriously and created hundreds of poisons to help dispatch enemies of her clients in new and interesting and twisted ways. So some common poisons in her arsenal were hemlock, belladonna, nightshade, arsenic, quinine, and even cyanide and opium. So really, she should be one of the ones talked about when it comes to the creation of the scientific method. Her approach was that of a mad scientist in the finest of frenzies. She, of course, tested all of her poisons on animals to take note on what did and didn't work and how mixing ingredients led to different symptoms and side effects. At some point, she ended up traveling closer to the capital, where her reputation began attracting rich and influential clients. Lacosta was a professional poisoner at this point, and she was often arrested for activities. But because she had all these powerful connections, she was always able to get out of jail really quickly. In 54 CE, Empress Agrippina, also a name I'm just hoping I'm saying right, reached out to Lacosta. She was the wife of Emperor Claudius. 
and she was also his niece because one thing I've definitely learned from history is that the farther back you go, the more acceptable incest is. So Claudius had a son from a previous marriage named Britannicus, and Agrippina also had a grown son. His name was Nero, and Agrippina had big plans for him. Uh, Agrippina wanted to see her son as the emperor of Rome, and there were two people standing in his way, Claudius and his son Britannicus. Claudius wasn't stupid. He knew that there were a lot of people out there who wouldn't care if he died and might actually benefit from it. So he had two food testers as well as a bodyguard. He also had a weakness for mushrooms, which Agrippina knew. After hiring Lacosta, she first had her get rid of the bodyguard by giving him something that made him uncontrollably sick to get him out of the way. Then Agrippina bribed the food testers to stay home. So Agrippina, knowing about Claudius's weakness for mushrooms, brought him some on that day. After eating the mushrooms, he became extremely sick. Agrippina, who was still playing the role of the caring wife, brought him a feather so that he could make himself throw up whatever he had eaten. But he still died, tragically. Who knew, right? But here's kind of where the genius of these two women kicked in. So Lacosta had poisoned the mushrooms, obviously, to make the emperor sick. However, then she laced the feather that Agrippina gave him with even more poison, and it was actually the feather that killed him and not the mushrooms he ate. And then to throw suspicion off herself, Agrippina completely threw Lacosta under the bus and had her thrown in jail for murder. You would think that the craziness involved in this story that we've already covered would mean that we were at least almost done, but oh no, I am here to tell you that this is the middle. There is even more craziness to come. So Lacosta is thrown in jail, all evidence pointed towards her. And then the strangest thing happens. Nero gives her a full pardon for any crimes that she had committed in, in the year 55 CE and a ton of cash and land. So you see, Nero was getting tired of his mother's constant overbearing attitude. And Agrippina was actually turning to Britannicus to try and see if he was more moldable and able to conform to her will. And since Britannicus was also now 14, that meant that he had a claim to the throne. Really, like, I don't know why they don't base more soap operas off of Ro the Roman Empire, because there was enough drama to probably power at least 12 seasons. So Nero freed Lacosta to help him kill Britannicus. Her first attempt to kill him didn't work, and Nero was pissed, right? He's kind of famous for having a temper, and at that point he just lost it and beat her unconscious before giving her one more chance. And that was all she needed. One night, there was a family dinner. Wine was brought and poured, and each of the food tasters tried the wine before giving it to the family. It was Nero, Agrippina, Britannicus, and a couple of other relatives. So Britannicus Kate drank some of the wine and then complained that it was too hot. And here's some kind of fun history context for you. Back then, Romans diluted their dinner wine with hot water. So when Britannicus drank his and said it was too hot, it was because whoever had poured in the wine had added too much hot water. So then the food taster added some cold water and gave it, and gave it back to Britannicus. And here's where the food tester failed. He didn't taste the cold water, and that was where Lacosta had slipped the poison. So Britannicus began to convulse. But rather than allowing anyone to panic, Nero told everyone of how his younger brother suffered from convulsions and that he did not need to call for assistance. And it's assumed that Agrippina realized what her son was doing but showed no reaction out of fear of suspicion or out of fear of becoming the next target. So nobody went against Nero's wishes because he had that famous temper, remember? And the dinner continued as Britannicus convulsed on the floor. Eventually, Nero called for servants to remove him from the room, and Britannicus died a few hours later. 
He was actually buried that same night with no fanfare, but that didn't stop any of the rumors that spread through the city. So Nero was extremely happy, obviously. La Costa was given even more land and a position in his empire as the imperial poisoner. He sent her students and she trained them to become effective poisoners for the next generation. And this actually continued for about 13 more years. In 68 CE, the Roman Senate condemned Emperor Nero to death. Now, usually he traveled with a poison suicide kit that Locusta made for him, in case this event ever actually occurred. But for some reason, he either lost it or forgot to bring it with him and resorted to killing himself with a knife. And after his death, Lacosta completely lost her safety net and was sentenced to death herself. And okay, this is where the story has kind of been lost due to exaggerations and speculations from manuscripts during this time period. It's pretty consistently reported that she was led through the streets of Rome in chains, very much a la Circe and the Walk of Shame, before being executed. But there are stories that say that she was killed in an arena after having been raped by wild animals. And, and it's, for some reason, it's specifically stated that a giraffe was involved. And I know that ancient Rome was pretty well known for having brutal interactions with animals, but most people believe that these are just stories that were embellished later on. And that is the story of Lacosta of Gaul, the imperial poisoner and first ever thought to be recorded serial killer in human history. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, you can stay up to date with A Murderous Affair on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts does this really fun thing where you can leave reviews on podcasts that you enjoy. So if you wanted to do that, it would really help out. Um, cookies for anyone who leaves a review, but not the kind that steal all your info. If you got any suggestions for murderesses in the future or just some info about Lacosta that you want to share, let me know on Twitter via at Reads. But for now, that's all I have for today, so I'll talk to you more next week. Goodbye!